0: I'm thinking back another... Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Abba Podcast with John McDonald. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. John would love to hear from you. You can send comments and questions on Twitter at Abba Podcast. You can also keep in touch through the Facebook page, the Abba Podcast with John McDonald. Podcast episodes can be downloaded from PodBean, as well as Spotify and many of the usual platforms. If the ABBA podcast isn't on your favourite platform, let us know and we'll get it sorted. Here's your host, John MacDonald. When I, when I first became born again, I learned that I'd been saved to serve. You know, I went to every meeting, I knocked on doors, I handed out tracts. I would walk around with tracts in my back pocket and a Bible in the other back pocket. Um, and I would badger people at bus stops and train stops and to try and share the gospel with. That was the Christian life I, I was learning about because it was hammered into me that I was saved to serve. But over the years, I, I've become convinced that what we call Christianity is actually a manipulative religious system. And it's designed... To trap us in guilt and fear and shame if we don't meet the standards and as I look back over my my years I, I became a believer in 1985 I realized that I felt guilty all of the time because I didn't feel as though I was giving my all for Jesus every day because that that and that's what I was being taught that's what I've been learning it's what I was picking up from other people around me and it's There was this emphasis on Christian activity as a way of pleasing God. But I found that for me and for many others, we end up pushing ourselves beyond sometimes even our our human endurance, certainly mentally and, and emotionally we do, because we're trying to prove our loyalty to God. And it feels as though service becomes a duty. You know, we're told we owe God everything. He gave everything for us and we should give everything for him. But what that does is it leads us into a transactional kind of relationship. You know, if I do this, then he will do that. We, we still hear that being taught. You know, if you want God to do this, if you want God to move, if you want God to bless you, then this is what you have to do. That's a transactional relationship. That's not unconditional love. And so when we buy into that kind of thinking, we become trapped in this cycle of behavior that can spiral out of control and, and even cause many people to lose faith. Because we have bought into this, if I work hard, if I serve, if I sacrifice, then God will do this and bless me. But what I've come to understand and realize is that I was never saved to serve. Neither were you. Love is what we were created for, not service. You know, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that the angels are the servants of God. And they're sent to serve those who are inheriting salvation. Again, that's in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. You see, God's intent was that each one of us should know what it is to be loved by him. Our understanding of love, and Christian love especially, is severely flawed. And so we attempt to demonstrate love by sacrificially serving God, sacrificially serving others. But love is actually something to be experienced before it can be shared. Love isn't an activity that we engage in. We think that, that doing deeds proves love. But actually, deeds are a result of knowing love. And the continued emphasis on action and on serving, it, it leaves a, a lot of people very anxious and depressed. I think it's why a lot of people leave church. Why do leave organised religion, certainly? Not necessarily leave faith, even. You know, because over time, enthusiasm wanes. You know, when we first become believers, we're very enthusiastic about the serving aspect of of faith. But when that is the constant message we're being given, that love is conditional upon our serving, then joy can turn to resentment and unhappiness. And what happens when we begin to get into that cycle is often that we begin to question what's wrong with me. You know why? Why don't I want to do this? Why? Why am I resentful? Even I should be grateful. I should be joyful, and I'm not. You know that Paul wrote to the Galatians, and and he's writing to a, a fairly new church, new believers. And what's happening is they've been pulled back into old religion by poor teaching, by false teaching, and he's reminding them of the freedom that comes with being in Christ where service isn't a duty. It's not a religious imperative, but it's an overflow of love. And so he says to them in in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. That's the the NIV um, translation. The ESV says, through love, serve one another. The ASV says that through love, be servants one to another. And the Tyndale version says, in love, serve one another. And Paul uses this word, dulio, it means to give yourself to someone voluntarily. And what he's saying is, he's saying, you voluntarily serve one another out of the overflow of love. And yes, love can involve doing things, that love can involve taking action, Love can involve serving, as Paul's saying. But acting and service don't indicate the presence of love. Just because you serve, just because you're acting and you're, you're, you're doing the stuff, it doesn't mean that love is, love is present. It doesn't even mean that love is your motivation. It can be selfish ambition. It can be fear. You know, when we serve out of duty, out of fear and obligation, we're always counting whether we've done enough. How, how do you know when you've done enough? How do you know when you've sacrificed enough? When you've given enough? How do you know you've suffered enough this to satisfy God and 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 pay Him back for all that He's done? Because that's really what the teaching about serving God is. It's about paying God back because we owe Him. You see, love doesn't count costs. Love brings joy as its reward. We're looking, we serve for this and that and all the rest of it, but love, when it's overflowing in us joy is the reward. The Lord may well bless us with other things, but joy becomes its own reward. And Paul speaks a lot about love in his letters. You know, in the the ESV version of the Bible, he speaks about love 95 times in his 13 letters. Uh, I guess the most famous passage is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we've taken that passage, and I'm not sure that we've truly understood it, and what we've done is take what Paul is saying there and turn it into a recipe for Christian behaviour or a nice sentimental thing to speak about at marriages or weddings. In First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul tells them to eagerly pursue love. He's saying intentionally chase after love above all else because it is the most excellent way. Love is above activity, above duty, above sacrifice and everything else that we consider to be spiritual. And he tells the the Corinthian believers, right at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, and that's interesting, he says, but have not love. He says, but if I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Three things that he's speaking about. He's speaking about speaking, whether it's speaking in tongues, whether it's prophesying. He speaks about wisdom and faith that can accomplish great miracles. And he's speaking about sacrifice. And he says in each instance, if the one and if the one speaking, if the one with the faith doesn't have love residing in them, dwelling in them, then it's all in vain. That's quite a sobering thought for us because quite a lot of emphasis currently and for no, a number of years in church has been about the supernatural, about gaining prophetic gifting, gaining miraculous healing gifts, which are all very great things. But he Paul is telling us that you can learn all of that and, may, and even see things happening, but if you don't have love, it's all a wasted effort. He's very clear at the beginning of, of chapter 13 that human-inspired religious activity is worthless in God's kingdom economy. And I think, unfortunately, we, we, we've we confused divine love with our religious human guilt. And we work and we work to try and prove something. And sometimes we don't even know what it is we're trying to prove. We're just working hard on a treadmill. But Paul is saying to the, the Corinthian believers and he's saying to the church today that all of the activity, all of the, the miracles, all of the prophesying and speaking in tongues, all of the sacrifice without divine love means nothing and actually makes us nothing people. You know, at the very end of of chapter 12, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And what does he do? He immediately goes in to start speaking about love because love is the higher gift. That's why he repeats it again. And at the end of chapter 13, getting into chapter 14, pursue love, intentionally go after love. And if love is that gift, if it's, if it's a gift, then it cannot be something that originates in human beings. It isn't something that, that we can conjure up of ourselves. By its very nature, a gift is something that comes outside of ourselves. The source lies elsewhere. This love that Paul is speaking about is divine love, whose source lies in God himself. But for years, we have been trying to work up love as a way of doing Christianity. You know, we've, we've been encouraged to get out, show people the love of God, and, and, and it's been translated into doing stuff, washing people's cars, cleaning up the neighbourhood. None of these things are bad things. They're very kind things to do. We do things like we'll pay for a stranger's meal in a restaurant or drive through McDonald's <laughs> or the toll booth charge for strangers. Those aren't necessarily loving deeds. Those are just religious actions that we mistake for love. Paul's saying, you can do all of that stuff, but unless divine love is present in you, then it's all worthless. He's speaking about the love of God and what the love of God accomplishes in us. And he starts off speaking about the exercising of spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body, not just for the benefit of the person using the gift. And to be honest, I think the way we teach people nowadays and encourage people to pursue things, we encourage selfish ambition. And it becomes very individualistic, um, just like it was in Corinth, the individualistic manner of using their gifts was creating division, jealousy, arrogance, and all other kinds of unwholesome behavior. And so he comes to them and says, you know, you're doing all of this, but I will show you the most excellent way. In other words, I will show you a better way than the, the way you're doing things now, because the way you're doing things now, the way you're living, is just causing damage. And it's actually causing the reputation of church and God and the kingdom to be maligned. So what he's doing is he's bringing them a new perspective and he's offering them an opportunity to live differently. That is what's happening in this revelation of the Father's love. God desires to bring his people a new perspective and present the world with the opportunity to live life in a different way because the way we've been doing it hasn't been working. He wants to open the eyes of our hearts To help us understand that how we've been doing Christianity up until now is actually the cause of many of our problems. We look out there and say it's because the world is like this, it's because the world is like that, but it's not. It's the way we have been doing Christianity. It's been sourced too much in human strength and human ability. The true source of Christianity is not found in human beings, it's it's found in him. The life that flows from him is Christian life. And it's the love that Paul's speaking of, not our activity that makes the difference. Perhaps doing less is, is more. You see, when, when love is our motivator, service isn't duty. It's not a chore. It's it's not an obligation. It just becomes a lifestyle. Love will produce these attributes in the one who carries it. It will produce kindness. It will produce patience. And all of those other qualities that 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of. Those aren't things that we can we just draw on or we just try and work out, I'll try to be more patient, I will try to be more kind. That's just learning new behaviours. And your ability to maintain that, will it time fail you? We've all been there. We think we're doing really well, I'm being more patient, I'm being more kind. And something happens to, and it blows it all apart. And we begin to think what failures we are as, as, as Christians. It's because we're trying to do it in our human power rather than being powered and motivated by divine love. And what Paul is saying to them is, when divine love is indwelling you, it will look like this. And he goes on to tell them in First Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful, neither is it arrogant or rude. Love does not insist in its own way. It doesn't become irritable or resentful. It doesn't re- rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And Paul is saying this is what divine love will create in you as you learn to create a dwelling place in your heart for it rather than trying to conjure these things up. Let love create them in you. Many of us, myself included, have spent so long trying to, trying to produce these things through discipline, just trying harder. And modifying our behaviour. We think that by serving that we'll become more Christ-like. But it's love that makes us like him. Because Jesus knew what it was was to be loved by the Father. You see, only love can truly change anyone's heart. None of these other things can change your heart. All it can do is help to modify your behaviour. It's only love that can make you a kind person. Because you experience the kindness of love. It's only... Love that can teach you patience and create patience in your, in your your spirit, in your heart, because you experience the patience of love. Only love makes you joyful because of the peace it brings to you. Only love frees you from envy and anger and rudeness and all of those other negative things that Paul mentions there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in, in Christian disciplines, but they cannot change your heart. Only love can do that. You know, we, we try to produce all of this activity, we sacrifice and serve all with good intentions and good hearts. Please hear me. I'm not saying that we do this because we're, we're bad or we're selfish. We, we don't. We do it because we want to please God. We want to make other like, people's lives better. And that's great. But to sustain that needs the indwelling of divine love. And that's why Paul writes this passage in the middle of, of, of the, the letter to Corinthians. Because of the chaotic church Lives because of the chaotic personal lives of the church members. And he's saying, Listen, guys, this is all happening because of the absence of divine love, because love is not dwelling in you. And you're becoming proud and boastful and arrogant and selfish. But if you let love dwell in you, you will become patient and kind. You won't become rude and selfish and self serving. You won't become easily irritated or angered. And he's saying to them, You know, it's not prophecy, it's not service and any of that stuff that makes you spiritual. Love is what makes true spirituality possible. So pursue love. Intentionally make love your goal. I love the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song, The Power of Love, a Force from Above. The chorus finishes by saying, Make love your goal. And so Paul tells the the Galatian church in chapter 5 and verse 13 that service through love is true Christian service. He's saying to these people, if you want to be a spiritual person, pursue love. We've, we've been tricked into pursuing the miraculous or pursuing greater gifts or, or greater exposure. You know, get my gift in out front and whatever it is I've got, guitar, preacher. But Paul's saying, no, spiritual people are people who pursue love. You know, we've got so many programs and, and uh, activities and churches become more like an entrepreneurial organization as we try to figure out how do we attract people, how do we keep people, how do we, you know, how do we do all of these things? And, and Paul is saying, you know, if you want your church to be a vibrant spiritual community, pursue love. And we, we think, you know, if, if the world can only see the miracles and the healings and they'll, they'll want to be saved. You know, guys, I, I've done all of that. I took my church out on the streets when I was pastoring and we saw loads and loads, dozens and dozens and dozens over the year of of people healed. We saw people throwing away walking sticks, walking frames, saw people with fibromyalgia healed and taking all of their equipment back to the hospitals. We've seen all sorts of weird stuff as well. And I would say next to none, none of those people actually came to church as a result of encountering the power of God. Jesus did incredible miracles. He raised people from the dead. He, f- he multiplied food. He healed sick. He cast out demons. And at the end, there were only 120 people in that room. You see, if we want to see the, if we want the world to see the glory and beauty of God, then I, I believe it's it'll be through pursuing love. I believe love is the revival that everyone's looking for. With all of the prayer meetings, God send revival, send revival. And when God, sends this revelation of love, people don't want it. It's not spectacular enough. It, it's, it doesn't feed selfish ambition. And please understand, I'm not saying people are deliberately selfishly ambitious. It's just a fault of human nature. It's the fallen human nature to be selfishly ambitious, to be noticed, to be significant in a sea of insignificance. And so when, when they hear it's about love, well, how does that make me significant? How does that make me stand out from everyone else? And so this revelation of love is rejected by many for the more spectacular. The problem is, when it all gets wrapped up, the spectacular will disappear. And all that will be left is love, because God is love. That's why Paul says, pursue love. So if we want to be spiritual people, if we want our churches to be spiritual communities, if we want the world to see the glory and the beauty of God, pursue love. Divine love poured into our hearts will produce faith and hope that Paul speaks of. Working up faith and and wishing hope won't necessarily produce love. Love is the anchor that that holds everything in place. It holds our faith in place because the experience of being loved by him guarantees us of his trustworthiness. It's not something we have to work up and, and speak scriptures over ourselves. That's just, that's an old, old pagan practice that whole declaring scripture stuff. Norman Vincent Peale repackaged it in the 1950s into positive thinking, but it can't replace love because love is the anchor. We read the scriptures and we we start to dream up activities for our lives about how we can do things, and, and we dream up activities for our spiritual communities to enable the pursuit of love, but love isn't received that way. I've learned something about relationships. I've learned that if you're in a relationship for what you get out of it, and love very often is not present in that relationship. And interestingly, when love is not present in the relationship, you'll never be happy in it either. When everything is about you, when it's all about your satisfaction, when it's all about what you get out of this, and there, there isn't much focus on the one that you're supposed to be loving, you'll never be at peace. You'll never find satisfaction. That's what happens in this whole Christian thing of activity and service. Because we're told that through that we get from God. It's not true, and so religion—this religion of activity—teaches us to focus on ourselves. Actually, even though we might be serving other people, it's it's about focusing on ourselves. That's why we're not happy. That's why we're not at peace. That's why there's limited satisfaction in serving, and you always have to do more and do more and do more. And back to that question of when have I done enough? You see, Paul speaks about having love, because love is an indwelling substance that God imparts to our hearts. You know, Paul even says that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, doesn't he? Hope does not disappoint us because the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. When you think about that, the fact that God himself is love, we're talking about an impartation of something of the nature and character of God himself into these tiny beings that we call humans. And he does it so that we would become more like him. You know, I think we've, we have sometimes an ethereal idea of what love is, but love actually has substance to it. You might not be able to see it in, in, in solid form, but it has a substance to it. And I've said before that there have been times and still are times, I can walk into a crowd of people my and my wife is engaged in conversation, but when we catch each other's eye, we feel something. We haven't said anything, we haven't kissed, we haven't embraced But just that look, somehow there's been a communication, an impartation of of my love for her or her love for me, and it's like you feel the substance of it land somewhere in your being. I feel the substance of it land somewhere in my heart, in my body even. And it's the substance of our love that is somehow being transmitted across a room to touch me and communicate to me her love. And when God pours his love into our hearts, there is a, a transmission, an impartation of the substance of his affection for us. That if our hearts are able, can find a landing place. More than just a landing place, but, but it starts to form within our hearts a dwelling place. And as love dwells and is continually imparted into our hearts, there, there becomes an overflow. And it can take time. It's not an, an immediate thing. And the overflow of love causes us to behave in ways that, that bring joy, even though others may look at it and think of it as a chore. You know, I do things for my wife out of that response to her loving me. Not because I have to, not because it's a duty or, or a, an obligation, but because my love for her is reciprocated. And it's reciprocate, I reciprocate in ways of, I know that will please her. I make her meals for her when she's coming home from work. I take out the garbage. I fill the dishwasher and put the dishes on. And I find joy in that. I find satisfaction in it, in what other people may consider a chore. Because I know that it says to my my, my wife, I love you. It's service through love. I'm not serving to prove that I love her. It's because love for her dwells in me, that it motivates me to do these things for her. And that's what Paul is speaking about when he speaks about service through love, when he speaks about having love. He's speaking about the indwelling substance of God himself that's imparted to us, I guess without measure, but we can only receive it in measure according to the condition of our hearts. That's why we speak about in the the Father Heart School so much about the heart and the, the things that block our hearts from receiving from Father. And... Having love is not for the purpose of doing more miracles or preaching more anointed sermons, although I believe that those things are the overflow of love. I don't think we can really truly see the power of God separated from the love of God. You know, if we only pursue love for the purpose of better ministry, more ministry, greater ministry, then we're still clanging cymbals and and, and noisy gongs, which Paul says are worthless in kingdom terms. Pursuit of love is intended to help us begin to experience what it truly means to be human. Because humanity was created to be loved by God. That's what we see in the garden in the very beginning. This love relationship between father and children. In fact, uh, you've heard me seen this before, probably some of you. Luke tells us that Adam was the son of God. That was the nature of the relationship this loving father and child relationship. And it's what all of humanity were made for because Adam is the blueprint for us. And so to be human, to be made in the image of God is to be able to receive love as well as give love. I am convinced that if we want to show the world the love of God, it is important for us to actually know and experience the substance of that love for ourselves. I have to say that this has not been a teaching I've heard in Christianity until I I, I met Father Heart Ministries. I didn't hear about the necessity for love to be experienced because the, the Christian life that I was taught about was that emotions, feelings are not trustworthy and we always equate love with emotion, love with I feel love. You know, we've equated, equated love with emotional feelings, butterflies in the tummy and all of that stuff, sleepless nights and two-hour-long phone calls. And <laughs> was that just me in the 70s? Never mind. <laughs> And so we've kind of pushed love aside because we've associated it with emotionalism. But that's not what Paul is speaking about. He's speaking about the substance of of the divine being, which is love. And he's talking about that dwelling within us and experiencing what it is to be loved and fathered by God. That's been my experience for the last 15 years. And you know, I'm still being wrought into someone who's more kind, more patient, more loving, Less rude. <laughs> it's improving, but I think it's going to be a work in, in progress until Jesus comes back. And Sometimes we can give up because it hasn't happened overnight. And we think, well, this love thing's a waste of time. I'll just go back to the way I used to do it. And this is kind of what was happening with the Galatians. They were saying, this is a waste. Uh, we, let's just go back to to the way it, we know. Like these, these new apostles are telling us. You know, that, that Paul guy just talking about love and all of that. It's not really accomplishing much. We need to be doing more. And Paul's saying, you know, who has bewitched you, Galatians, that you're so quickly abandoning the gospel that you believed? As as I say, as we see from Paul's letters, he speaks a lot about love. And he speaks a lot about the Father. He speaks about Father more than 40 times in his 13 letters. And so we presume that when he speaks about the gospel that he preached, he's speaking about the gospel of the Father and his love for us. You know, he tells us, I didn't receive this gospel that I preached from any man. I received this by revelation from Jesus. And that's interesting because when you look at at Jesus, he spoke about the Father all all of the time. He spoke all about the Father and the Father's love. So it would be natural. It seems to me there's a real correlation there of uh, the gospel Jesus preached and the gospel Paul preaches that he says he received by revelation from Jesus. And the foundation of it is the Father and his love. And I believe... That if we're not experiencing that love, if we're not in receipt continually of that substance of love and ongoing outpouring into our hearts from the throne of God, then we have nothing to give the world except me. You are not enough for what this world needs. What you are and what you have in your humanity is insufficient for the needs of this world. No matter how hard you work, no matter how many good ideas you have, no matter how many programs your church has, Unless love is present, unless you have love, none of it is sufficient to the world's needs. If all we have to offer the world is our human effort and human endeavour, is it any wonder they don't want what we have to offer them? Is it any wonder that they, they, they mock us and, and push us away? Because there's nothing we can offer them that they can't get from the world. That's the reality, unless love is present. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians, it's all empty. It's a clang gong. It's a, a noisy symbol. It's nothing without love. And the thing I've, I, I've begun to understand about love and has at times been a struggle for me is that love does not ask for recognition. Love doesn't ask for reward or praise. It doesn't expect any of those things. The joy that comes from serving in love is the reward. Said that at the beginning. And what love does is cut down selfish ambition. And begins to turn us into the, the kind of Christ-like people we always wanted to be. He, Jesus walked in the love of his Father. All that he did on this earth was because his Father loved him. That love was the source of his strength. It was the source of his wisdom and power. It was the focus of his mission, to communicate the love of the Father. And to do that, he had to be filled with that love. And so he says, I and the Father are one. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. All that I do is what I see the Father doing. In fact, it's the Father in me doing his work. Such was the presence of love in Jesus that he said, this is the Father doing this through me. And so it doesn't come by my human effort. It comes through love. If Jesus walked that way in this earth, why would it be any different for us? Why would we think that we can push love aside and just get on with it? Paul says, you can get on with it, but it will be just a noisy gong and a clanging symbol. But when love is present, kindness overflows. Patience is your natural state. People will, will be attracted to that. In fact, Jesus said to me, this is how they'll know you're my followers, by the way you love, by the love you have for one another. Paul is echoing that in Corinthians. He's echoing that to the Galatians, He's saying that what counts is love, as service through love. Because when you really know love, you're free to serve. When you don't know love, service is an obligation. It's a duty. It's a chore. And it's something that chains you and binds you. But when love is present, when you have love, you're freed from that obligation. You choose to serve or not to serve, and love pours out of you. And you serve without even realizing it sometimes. That was why Jesus wasn't exhausted why he did so much, because he didn't do it out of his humanity. He did it out of the indwelling of love. And my encouragement for my own life and for you is just pursue love because it is the highest gift. It's above prophecy and healing and miracles. Love will teach you how to live as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, whatever term you like like to use. Love will guide you. You see, that's what happened to humanity. When Adam and his wife lived in the garden, they were guided by love. Love led them in in how to live their lives. And what happened when they ate of the fruit was that they broke off their relationship with love. When they went to hide in the bushes, love didn't lead them to do that. And what Jesus came to do was to reconnect us to the source of love, that love might show us how to live lives of joy and peace and contentment. The only thing that can bring us to that place is the love of the Father poured into our hearts. Hearts that are the hearts of little boys and girls who know they need to be loved. So above all else, pursue love. Amen.